started. And I've said this for many, many years, if you cannot trace every part of doctrine that you believe or adhere to, to the first four words in God's book, in the beginning God, if you can't trace it back to God, I suggest you pitch it or at least table it. Because if it did not start with God, it started someplace else. And God never starts in the middle with anything. Never. He always starts in the beginning. He's from everlasting to everlasting. No matter how far back in our finite minds, we can imagine God was here the day before that. And when you can imagine that day, he was here the day before that one too. There's never been a time when he didn't exist. And forever, his word is settled in heaven. God is not playing catch up with mankind. Jesus Christ slain before the foundation of the world, and hope of eternal life, which God promised before the world began. So my job is always to take sound doctrine and show where it originated so that we have a sure foundation and not start with a religious phrase, a Protestant phrase, a feigned word phrase that sounds good. Repetition doesn't make something correct. Repetition makes something a tradition. A tradition makes propaganda. So my job is to see things clearly according to the scripture and to reprove when I get up. That's also reprove is also a part of revive, a revival. And you write the Hebrew word down, Gilgal, G-I-L-G-A-L, and look it up in the scripture. That's where they piled up stones, the Hebrew children, after they crossed the Jordan River and entered into the Promised Land. Come with me to Israel, I'll show you where that happened, and we'll pile up 12 stones, I'll preach the message. But when Saul was being anointed as king, Samuel said, oh, if you're going to do this, we're going to go back to Gilgal. We're going to return, return, go back, go back, go back, reprove, reprove back to a point when everyone was right with God. The entire nation, the entire congregation, we were right with God. And that is revival, but that can only happen when an evangelist reproves and shows again what is correct. It's still the same today. God has not changed. His word is still the same today. And the revival of days gone by can continue on if we return to God's word. So I want to bring a message to you tonight on the history of the house of God. And I'd like for you to take detailed notes. Should the Lord tarry and give me the strength I'll preach about this two more times, but you want to stay with it because I'm, for the most part, going to take you on a chronological journey of the history of the house of God. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. Again, I've heard many passages, many sermons that have used this particular verse over the years, and I'm not out up here to critique by name anyone, but I am up here to reprove and not take a verse out of context. And I am up here to show you that this verse isn't the origination of what is being taught here. And I'm going to show you the verses that preceded it. By the way, there's a book on my table that is uh, a deal 
fits with this. We, I preached a series of messages in the state of Ohio. The pastor picked up on it, and he began in Matthew, went through Revelation, and every time that he could find where one of the apostles was quoting one of the Hebrew prophets, he wrote the verse down that they were quoting. And it's a book about this thick, it's here, and it's not exhaustive, by the way. Remember, God never starts in the middle with anything, anything, any part of doctrine. Reprove is to go back, go back. And more than one generation, or more than two generations, go back to where God said things. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how... Thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Father, we ask that you would bless the message this evening. In Jesus' precious name, amen. How to behave in the house of God, which is the church. We see that in that particular verse right there, but is that the origination? No, it is not. As I'll show you in a little bit, this is reference to scriptures that were written by the prophets. I am one of five brothers. We have no sisters. All five of us are still alive. My mother passed away. I got to lead her to the Lord before she did. It took me 44 years to do it, but it got done. All boys. My mother did her best. We didn't grow up in a Christian home. My mother did not. We had no type of that influence. But my mother was from a generation at least of morality and ethics. And my mother did her best to teach us right from wrong. Now, my mother was also a professional gambler. When I was five years old, I could play about every card game you could think of. By the time I was eight, I could deal you about any card you wanted out of the deck. Now, when I got saved, I put all that behind me. Amen. Phrases like low hole card wild, seven card stud, five card stud, jacks are better, deuces wild, all that is still in here. Talk to me by my mother. There's such a thing as an honest gambler. My mother was an honest gambler. Now, she taught us other things. She taught us how to keep clean. She kept her house clean. My mother was also a very good cook. Five boys, rambunctious. My father was a drunkard. We grew up very poor. 
my mother trying to make ends meet, sometimes as a waitress, sometimes as a gambler. I remember living in a, a, one of the houses that we lived in was on a little river called the Merrimack River. It was a shack. A tree grew up through the porch. Frank Lloyd Wright didn't design the house around the, shack, the tree. It just, nobody lived there. Nobody wanted to live there. We got to live there for free, I think. And I tell people, we were so poor, we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and licked other people's fingers. <laughs> but if we ever went somewhere like a gathering, a social gathering, a school event, a wedding, somebody, just any place, my mother had a command she would give us. And I see this word in 1 Timothy here, and I want you to look at it. Chapter 3 again, verse 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to, what's that next word after to? Behave. That was my mother's commandment. Behave. Now she didn't have time to go through a litany of things she knew that we would probably do. Because we were all boys, and 100% boys. Behave. She had a lot of phrases and a lot of words she would say, most of which I can't repeat. But that one, I can repeat and I'll never forget. Behave. What was she telling us? Tell everybody how to play five-card stud. That's not what she wanted us to display. What do you think the definition of the word behave is? You, you can get this. Just look at the word. It's made up of two words. What are the two words? Be and what? Be what you have. You cannot be it if you don't have it. You cannot behave if it hasn't been placed inside of you. If you have not been taught it, if it has not been reproved, if it has not been ingrained, you cannot display it because you don't have it. You can't be it because you don't have it. You cannot behave. So when Mother looked at us very sternly, behave. We all knew when we went in and sat down, we weren't supposed to reach over people and grab rolls and start throwing them at the table. We were supposed to put a placemat down. We were supposed to wait. We were supposed to, may I please? Would you please pass? May I be excused? She taught us all of those things. And she wasn't a believer. But we were to be, we, we were a representation of what she was trying to show the world. She struggled. Life was tough raising five boys. She worked endless hours, my mother, sacrificing for us. 
When there was nothing, Mama could make sugar syrup. She could take flour and make biscuits and make pancakes. And she could fill you up with something. Behave. Be what you have. If you don't have it, you can't be it. Behave where? Look at the verse. In the house of God. which is the church. Now that's only one definition. And this is at the tail end of the scripture, not at the beginning. But I want you to see that word behave. When you come to church, what do you have? Do you have the history of this church? I'm not talking about the last 42 years, though that's important. Do you have the history of the house of God? It's a church, it's what scripture says. Where'd the house of God start? Pentecost, wrong answer. When he called the disciple, wrong answer. When Solomon built, wrong answer. Do you have it? You can't be it if you don't have it. You can't display it if you've never received it. Now, if you're going to perpetuate what has produced this local church, should the Lord tarry, I suggest you know the history of it. Amen. Because if we don't know the history, at some point in time we'll be perpetuating something that is not in the Word of God Something, well, will be misbehaving. Behave. Go to Matthew chapter 21, please. The house of God. History of the house of God. How did you get here? Where's this going to end up? Matthew chapter 21. And let's take a look at verse number oh, 13. They're in Jerusalem. Jesus is there about to go up on the Temple Mount. Come with me to Israel. I'll show you where this happened. He's going to overthrow the money changers' tables. And you can still find money there today. Every time they turn over a rock, they'll find money there. The most contested part, it's right, it's where the Arabs are throwing stones at Jews, down on near the western wall. And Jesus is there. He's ascending. He's going up. Matthew 21, 13. And said, that's Jesus speaking, said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. What's different about the word my what stands out to you? Uppercase M, whose house? God's house. Now, did Paul say Timothy to Timothy that a church was a house of God? He did. What Jesus saying was God's house. 
what Solomon built up on that temple originally, and then second temple would be with Nehemiah after Babylonian captivity. Actually, third would be Herod, who started in 26 B.C., I'm sorry, 20 B.C., 40 and 6 years was it in construction. The scripture says 26 A.D. it was completed. So, seven years earlier, this house was completed. And a continuation of what Solomon built. And Jesus refers to that place as his father's house. And he says, as it is written. I want you to write beside Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, Isaiah 56, verse 7, and Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11. Again, this doesn't start in the middle. This was already prophesied by the prophets that Jesus was going to say this and quote this. He's quoting them. That's why we're built upon the foundation of not only the apostles, but the prophets. There's a guy, you know, there's, if you took your scripture and went like this and put one hand here on Genesis 1-1 and one hand here on Revelation 22-21 and went like that, I'm going to ask you a question. First, I'm going to make a statement. There's one page between your hands God didn't tell anybody to write. Which page is it? And then a lot of people are going to look at me like I'm nuts. Genesis 1-1 is here. Revelation 22-21 is there. And there's one page between the palms of your hand that God didn't tell anyone to write. What page is it? It's that page after Malachi and before Matthew that says the New Testament. Now I know who put that in there. The guy's name was Marcion. He was a bishop from Rome in 143 AD. And the Catholic Church canonized it twice, 395 and 403 AD, and then began calling that second book, set of books the New Testament, separating it from what was previously written. Replacement. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, he came to fulfill it. Do not let that be a stumbling stone to you. By the way, the pastor of the church of Smyrna, bitter, Smyrna, Revelation 2, 3, Smyrna. His name was Polycarp, one word. He was John's convert. When he died, at the, they burned him, stabbed him, burned him, put a spear in him. His dying words were, 80 and 6 years have I served Christ and he hath done me no wrong. Polycarp knew Marcion, the guy who put that page in. Remember, I'm an evangelist. I am to re-prove. Y'all still with me here? But Sharp, that goes against my tradition. That's your soul talking to me. Your soul just got upset. Bring me your spirit. When Marcion met Polycarp, and these writings still exist today. And I take my word for it. Look it up. Polycarp and Marcion. Marcion asked Polycarp, Knowest thou me? Polycarp said, Yea, I do know thee. And I'll quote him now. The firstborn of Satan. End of quote. 
Now, I know what Jesus said the New Testament was at Passover, Lord's Supper. This blood is the New Testament. So am I going to believe a bishop from Rome? Or am I going to believe what Jesus defined as the New Testament? You see how certain stuff has crept in unawares? Please don't look at me like a calf at a new gate. Remember, tradition isn't necessarily scripture. So, Jesus said in Matthew 21 about that structure up on the Temple Mount that it was my house or his father's house. And he quoted the two verses that I gave you. Now I want you to go to John 14, 2. A few hours after Jesus said that the structure on top of the Temple Mount was his father's house taught by quoting, he says something else about the house of God. Just a few hours later. And it's in John chapter 14, verse 2. In my father's, what's the next word? Are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Is he talking about a local church? Yes or no? Is he talking about that one on the Temple Mount where he overthrew the money changers' tables a few hours earlier? Yes or no? He's talking about his father's house on earth or up above. Now let me give you some common denominators between a house of God on earth or the, ultimately the house, the house of God is the new Jerusalem. Okay? Your body is a temple. But the final place is the new Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of similarities. Everything down here, you'll see this word in Scripture, is, is or should be a, here's the word, pattern of the one up there. Don't build a church based upon tradition. Build it based upon the words in the Scripture. Because it should be a pattern, the house of God on earth, should be a pattern of the one that's in the New Jerusalem. Remember, the New Jerusalem is where we go to live for all eternity. So a church, a house of God, a synagogue, a holy sanctuary, a temple, ought to be a snapshot pattern, a tabernacle, of the permanent house of God, called the New Jerusalem. Now I tip my hat to the rabbis who do their best to design a synagogue to even look like the New Jerusalem when you're walking in. And especially the way the auditorium would face, always toward Jerusalem. Because there are specific commands to look toward that house of God that was in Jerusalem when one prays, don't be a critic and say, well, God can hear anybody anywhere. He can, but you're going to have to tell me why God said look to that place. But our ultimate 
Final place is the New Jerusalem. Behave. Behave. This, how's the world treating you, Brother Sharp? Not very well. It's not my home. I'm just passing through. This is why you're not adopted into a local church. I understand it's your church family, and it ought to be, and you ought to love it and love your pastor, and you all get along. I understand all of that. The local churches come and local churches go. Where did you go to church when you went to college, Pastor? At one time, that was the largest church in the world, Highland Park. Dr. Lee Robertson, I preached with him much through the 90s. He took a liking to me, and I liked him. At one time, the largest church in the world. It doesn't exist today. It's not there. After that old man retired, the wolves came in. So you see, if you're adopted into that local church and it doesn't exist, all of a sudden you don't have a home. You understand that? Can you make that connection? I'm not demeaning a local church. I'm just saying you're adopted into a family of believers that contain, adoption pertains to Israel, the scripture says. Former Jewish believers, grafted in among and with them. Partakest of the same root. So we see Jesus from his own mouth describing a place on earth referred to as a house of God, my Father's house. But we also see him describing the original eternal in the New Jerusalem, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. How many of you see there's a house of God on earth, there's a house of God in the New Jerusalem? How many of you see this? Behave. You have this. At no time do you elevate temporal, what's on earth, above eternal. Because everyone on earth, as I will prove to you, is fashioned by the hand of man. The one up there is fashioned by the hand of God. This is the place Abraham was looking. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Behave. I'm going to the same place. I'm looking for the same place. Looking for a city where I will never die. What city? New Jerusalem. Don't replace that with heaven. You're not going to live in heaven forever. New Jerusalem descends out of heaven. going to be a new heaven, new earth made one day. Like I said, if the trumpet sounded tonight, you'd only spend seven years in heaven and you're on the earth for a thousand, then the new Jerusalem, wow, hey, that's where the tree of life is. That's where the river of life. That's where there's a 12-tiered foundation and gates, walls 216 feet tall, and gates, not only the names of the apostles, the names of the prophets, the 12 tribes of Israel, excuse me, each gate carved out of one pearl. That's a gigantic pearl. That's an even bigger oyster. 
I see the tree of life by faith. Every month it yields a different fruit. You'll be in the fruit of the month club. I see the leaves, whether we eat them, make tea, whatever. They're for the healing of the nations. I see no sorrow. I see no death. I see all tears wiped away. God's revealed that unto my spirit through his words and the Holy Spirit and yours too. That's the eternal house of God. Now, whether it's that or these, listen to me carefully. Every time the phrase house of God is mentioned in the scripture, it is always talking about a physical, tangible place. It is not mystical. It is not universal. It is local. There's an address to it. It existed or it does exist. You can walk up and touch it. I want to walk on streets of gold in that father's house that has many mansions. Every single one. It is not just a thought. It's not a bunch of ghosts. The house of God is absolutely physical and tangible with a, an address attached to it. It contains, whether it's up there or down here, to define it, it must have two or more that believe in God's will, not plan, that's not in the scripture, will for salvation. In eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as I will prove, were in that house of God, in the New Jerusalem, with the Word of God, and they all agreed that Jesus Christ slain before the foundation of the world. So it must contain two or more. God's Word must be present. It must be tangible, touched, with a physical address, always in every case. Behave. This is your history, Northwest, or not Northwest, North Kentucky Baptist Church. I was just at Northwest in Toledo. A lot of times I've got to stop and think where I'm at. <laughs> this is your history. Have it. Be it. Display it. Have the depth to teach your children and your grandchildren and others so that you're not carried about with every wind of doctrine. Go to Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 5, verse 1. I would like to at least get through the introduction tonight. Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, and verse number 1. Remember what Paul told Timothy, how to behave in the house of God? Let me show you where it came from. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. It's right after Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Would you write 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 by that? And be more ready to hear 
than to give the sacrifice of fools. They consider not that they do evil. Go to Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse number 5. Ezekiel 44 verse number 5. We want revival. I do too. I want us to go back to sound doctrine. Man and beast just so happy about it. Excited. Thank you God. Whew. Wow. What a sure foundation. Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse number 5. And the Lord said unto me, Son of man, mark well, behave, and behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears all that I say unto thee concerning all the ordinances of the house of the Lord, and all the laws thereof. And mark well the entering in of the house. How many of you see why Paul was telling Timothy? how he ought to behave in the house of God. With every going forth of the sanctuary, no one on earth, no building on earth, no congregation on earth, no denomination on earth, no religion on earth, has a corner market on the phrase, house of God. No human originated that phrase, house of God. Not even a Baptist, or a preacher, or a teacher, or an evangelist, or a deacon, or an elder, or a bishop, or an ambassador, coined the scriptural words, house of God. The origin of the phrase, house of God, does not start with man. It starts with God. It starts with his word. Go, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 3. Again, this is still, I'm still in the introduction here, but I'm going to get you to a chronological outline. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we. Remember, we're part of and will be in the new Jerusalem with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As a born-again believer, if the Lord took me home tonight, I would see them. As a born-again believer, if the trumpet sounded tonight, they would come with him and we would go to meet them in the air. He's already led captivity captive. It's always Jew first, always Jew first. Verse number 6, Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we. Hold fast, hold fast, behave. Look at verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Hold it, have it, behave, hold it. Where did this phrase come from? Where did it start? A long time ago, in the word of God. Go to, um, go, to, go to Isaiah 56, verse 7. I don't know if I've showed you that one yet. Are you learning anything yet? Are you awake still? Isaiah 56, verse number 7. Even them, I want you to circle that word them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house. Please circle those two words. Of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Now Jesus quoted that when he overthrew the money changers' tables. We already looked at that verse that, that he 
mentioned in the Gospels, he got it from here. This is the one he's quoting. God's house being a house of prayer. Now, who are the them? Who are those? Go to John, please, chapter 10. Now, I'm going to prove to you that the church did not start at Jesus' virgin birth or at his earthly ministry or at Pentecost. I'm going to prove that. The scriptures are going to prove it. It was in existence long before then, and it's called the house of God. Behave. Don't let somebody separate you from this. Don't let somebody make merchandise of you. It's called wise in one's own conceits. Romans chapter 11. Paul warned what was coming out of Rome repeatedly. John chapter 10, verse number 8. Jesus speaking. All that ever came before me... Now obviously he's from the beginning, so is he talking about his virgin birth? It's a given, okay? All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. So there were false Messiahs. What's that next word after robbers? What's it mean? Before it, thieves and robbers. What comes after the word but? It's going to be thieves and robbers or somebody different? Somebody exactly opposite. Not a thief, not a robber. Not somebody who makes merchandise of the flock. Not someone who responds as natural brute beast. Not someone who takes advantage or does the work of God deceitfully for personal gain. But somebody different, not thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. How many of you see there were sheep before his virgin birth? How many of you see that? How many of you see... They knew the scriptures, and that's how they could identify who was fake. How many of you see that? My job, reprove. Our job, behave. Behave. There were believers, a whole bunch of them. They waited for him. Come see a man. We have found him whom Moses and the prophets did right. Jesus of Nazareth, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Mine eyes have seen salvation. There were a lot of believers. And Brother Sharp, you know those Jews, they killed him, they crucified him. Hmm, really? Well, I'm aware of your one verse. Would you allow me to show you a couple that says the Gentiles killed him? Would you allow me to show one where Jesus said, no man takes my life from me, i got the power to lay it down and pick it up. So before you point a finger at an ethnic group of people, behave. Behave. Oh, he rejected them. They rejected him. He took the Gentile bride. Do you not know what he said when those accused his Jewish disciples of not washing their hands? He answered the same on three different occasions. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? They were part of the bride of Christ. I had a Jewish believer with me. And a guy up preaching, a Gentile, said, Jesus, he's come.
coming for a Gentile bride. He coming for a Gentile bride. Everybody said amen except me. And that Jewish believer, I leaned over and whispered, he's coming for you too. Matter of fact, I can show you the bride of Christ in the prophets long before the apostles wrote that. Behave the house of God. The sheep did not hear them, verse 8. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep am and am known of mine. They were looking for him. Look at verse 16. And other sheep. Would you circle those two words and write the saints of old? Because it just defined them. I have, which are not of this fold. That's the saints that were with him, and that's you and I. Them, the saints of old, also I must bring at the trumpet sound in the air, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be, how many folds? One, and one shepherd. Plan of salvation has always been Jesus. There's no such thing as plan B, that's heresy. There's only one gospel, anybody preaches there's two, or puts on their website there are three gospels, they are a heretic. Reproof, behave! The Word of God, it gives us this chronological order so that we have a sure foundation, so that we're not subtly led astray. The house of God is not mystical. It's physical. Now, there's a heavenly house of God that is eternal. It's always been and it always will be. And there's an earthly one. Now I want to give you two distinctive terms in Scripture that will identify the one up there from a house of God down here. The one in the New Jerusalem. Even heaven, it's phrased a little differently. In the New Jerusalem, as the Scripture will reveal before I'm finished, God dwells with you. You dwell with God in his house, in the New Jerusalem. In every house of God on this earth, God dwells, here's the scripture word, among them. And that one word will help you see which house of God is being talked about, whether it's one here on the earth or whether it's one up there. Most of us that are mature, we knew of houses of God where great things happened, great revivals took place, and the building doesn't exist, or it's been turned into a tavern or something else. That's why God dwells among down here. And it's not God's fault, it's man leaves God. But up there, God is, is on his throne. It's set, S-E-T. God's never been dethroned, overthrown. He's never abdicated his throne, nor will he ever. And so we dwell with him. There's a big difference between with and among. As I said last night, do you wives want your husbands to dwell with you or among you? You know, you want, you want them to dwell with because two become one. Two become one flesh. Two become one. And so we are with Lord. The tabernacle of God is 
with men in the new Jerusalem, as I'll prove. The house of God is referred to in the scripture by several names, high sanctuary, tabernacle, temple, synagogue, church, bride, holy city, new Jerusalem, lamb's wife. The house of God started with God. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. This is point one. Where did it start? It starts with God. Jeremiah 17, verses 12 through 14. The new Jerusalem right now is in heaven, but it will descend out of heaven before a new heaven and new earth are made. The new Jerusalem, is, it's got dimensions to it. It's basically 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles tall. Remember, local, tangible, touch it, all that stuff. That is called the house of God. That's where the many mansions are. It's, it's so big. You say, that's not very big. It's big. If you got on an elevator on the bottom floor and pushed the button that went to the top and the elevator went up at 60 miles an hour and didn't stop on any floor, it'd take you 25 hours to get to the top. There's room for you. There's room for whosoever. Jeremiah 17. This is where the house of God started. Behave. This is your history. Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse 12. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Wow. I'm looking forward to that place. Preacher, roof ever leak around here? The roof ever leak in this place? Air conditioners ever go out? Bus kids ever spill things? Kids take crayons and color on the walls instead of on their paper. We're not going to have any of those problems. Verse 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. And they that depart, behave, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me. And say that next phrase. Oh, well, I thought that started in Romans. No. As a matter of fact, you can write down Joel 2.32. That's who Paul is quoting in Romans. God didn't start in the middle of anything. For thou art my praise. Go to John, please, chapter 17. Take a look at verse number 5. Say, Brother Sharp, you just seem to have a little bite to your sermon tonight. It's because you're not feeling well? No, I'm not feeling well, but that's not the reason. It's because there is a spiritual battle going on. And the wolves have crept in. And I'm reproving some things. Before I take the next step, rebuke. <laughs> All right. John chapter 17, verse number 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Look at verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's going to be the new Jerusalem. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. 
God the Father and God the Son were fellowshipping together in glory and in love before the foundation of the world in God's house in the New Jerusalem. And one other member was there. Go, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5 and look at verse 7. Remember, to define a house of God, there must be two or more. 1 John 5 verse 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven. If you bear record, you're, you're, you're confirming something that's already been recorded. It's very close to reproof. When you bear record, when John bear record of the word of God in Revelation, he actually was writing what was being revealed, what he saw. First John 5, verse number 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, what's different about the word Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. How many of you see two or more were gathered together bearing record on the same page, so to speak, in my Father's house, Jesus referred to it as that, in the beginning, as Jeremiah we've already looked at. So the phrase or the term or the tangible structure, house of God, does not originate with man. It originates with God. It has always been there, ladies and gentlemen. And it always will be there. I'm going. I want you to come with me if you're not saved. It's a great place. Number two, Abraham dwelt in an earthly representation of that house of God. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 8. Now our chronology on human time will start. And I'm going to begin with Abraham, who, according to the scripture, is our spiritual father. Genetically, you may not be Jewish, but spiritually you've been adopted, therefore his name was changed from Abram to Abraham, father of one to father of many. Not from Ishmael, but in Isaac shall they seed be called. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the God of Ishmael. Amen. His name is not Allah. And Jesus' name is not Muhammad. And I don't care where you are on this earth, unless you live in Israel and are around that temple mount, you do not live in Jerusalem. Don't replace. This my Jerusalem replacement. I'm going to call you out on that. If we're going to change proper names in the Word of God, you may as well change God's name to Allah and Jesus to Muhammad. Jerusalem is still Jerusalem. Salvation comes forth from Jerusalem. My Lord, ministry was there. He was crucified there, buried there. He rose from the dead. Guess where, guess where he's going to set foot at the end of the tribulation? Jerusalem. Guess where he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years? Jerusalem. Guess who was king of that place? Melchizedek, which had neither beginning nor end. You ought to look up Melchizedek. You ought to see Jesus. That's him. 
It was called Selam, city of Shem. Noah's son Shem. I'm from Japheth. Guess who joined Shem and went backwards and covered their father's nakedness? Father of the Gentiles joined the father of the Jews. What did Noah say after immorality was committed? His first statement, cursed be Canaan. That's Ham's fourthborn son. I'll explain that if you want to know later. What was the very next statement out of his mouth? Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Somebody had the right God on the ark. And now Japheth is in the middle. Does he join the immorality of Ham? Or does he join the Lord God that Shem had? I'm glad Gentile joined you. You'll see this all through this. Behave. Do you have these truths? City of Shem. Salem. Shalom. To be anti-Semitic, anti-Shemitic. Shem. Salem, Shalom. The Jews, Salem. Jerusalem. Genesis 12, verse 8. By the way, where did Abraham go to offer up Isaac? Jerusalem, why? He'd already met Melchizedek. Met him in chapter 14. Chapter 22, he goes back. He knew in the mount of the Lord it would be seen. He knew where the Lord was going to be crucified. He knew God would provide himself a lamb. All this stuff is in the scripture. Behave. Genesis 12, verse number 8. And he, Abram, removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. All right, I think you can get this one. Class, what's Bethel mean? House of God, what are we talking about? House of God, back to Bethel. I must go. Now that's going to refer to Jacob a little bit later. Let me originate it here with Abram, Abraham. And pitched his tent, verse 8, having Bethel on the west, Hai on the east. Now look at this very carefully. Genesis 12, verse 8, last part. And there he built an altar. Okay, look up here if you would, please. What do we still call this in the house of God? What is this called? How many of you got saved at an altar? How many of you have made decisions at an altar? How many of you got married at an altar? How many of you dedicated your children at an altar? And you called upon the name of the Lord. And you submitted and you asked. Why do you give invitations, Brother Shark? Because of the altar. Just following the pattern that's in the Scripture. Well, we don't have altar calls. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. Go find somebody who does want to learn. 
building an altar. When I got saved, I was at this thing before the preacher quit preaching. Oh, dear God, mercy on me. Help me. Teach me. Forgive me. Dear God, would it be possible for me to find a Christian wife someday? Somebody that believed the book that I loved and she loved me? Is that too much to ask? Dear Lord, thank you for my wife that you've given. Would you give us children? I promise you I'll raise them for you. I even chose our kids' names. Why? Because it was Adam's job to do the naming. I'm just glad they turned out the gender to the name that I'd already picked out. <laughs> I've made thousands of decisions up here. Absolutely life-changing decisions. Don't you sit with your pompous, pious attitude when you have the physical ability to get to the altar. I understand if you've got a bad back, bad knees, you can sit back down. But don't you pretend everything's all right in my Father's house. Your spiritual forefather, Abraham, he built an altar at Bethel. And he called upon the name, Behave. Behave. This is your history. You're going to follow it? You're going to embrace it? Let me continue on with Abraham. Go to Genesis 13, verse 3 and 4. And he, Abram, he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Hmm. Interesting. Between Bethel and Hai. That's over 3,800 years ago. He went back to Bethel. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Now you're going to understand why Hebrews... 11 makes so much sense. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Hebrews 11, 8. Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive foreign inheritance, obeyed and went out, that called out assembly. Not knowing whither he went, by faith he sojourned, he lived, dwelt. Sojourned, it's a little more than that. In the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. Those are not house, houses. 
Those are tabernacles. I had a guy argue with me one time. Church isn't a tabernacle. Yeah, it is. House of God, tabernacle is a house of God. No, he just took this church as a pastor. I said, what's the name of your church? Named after the city, I'm not going to say it. City Baptist Tabernacle was the name, but I'm not going to name the name of the city. He said, if you don't believe that your church is a tabernacle, take that name off of your church. Amen. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, two or more. The heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This wonderful house of God, this altar, again, it didn't originate with Abraham. Maybe here on earth, it is one of the earliest ones as recorded in Scripture in the book of Genesis. It originated with God, but how did Abraham know how to do that? He was a friend of God. He talked with God. Isaiah 61, verse number 10. I'm going to back up just a little bit, and then I'm going to close for the evening. Tomorrow night I'm going to pick up with Jacob and take you through the Scriptures and show you this house of God. Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 10. This is our foundation. Let it not be destroyed by omission, by neglect. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord my soul, in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed... It's God calling you, telling you to turn your phone off. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Where did you read something similar to this? The bride, bridegroom, jewels... What's that describing? Class anyone. Whoa. Would you go to the book of Revelation, please? It's describing God's house, the new Jerusalem. Go to Revelation 21. Remember, he doesn't start in the middle. Revelation chapter 21. Verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Would you write Isaiah 61, verses 8 through 10? We just read them. Verse 3, And I heard a voice, a great voice, out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, that's the house Jesus referred to, my father's house, Tabernacle, how? The tabernacle of God is, what the next word after is, with, circle it, remember, up there, with, down here, among, with men, and he will dwell, what's the next word? With them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. See that word with in there three times? You think John had a stuttering problem? Yeah, he's emphasizing this. 
and be their God as a bride. What is it? It's a tabernacle. What is it? It's a city. What is it? It's the new Jerusalem. Skip down, if you would, to uh, verse number 9. Still describing the new Jerusalem. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I'll show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Whenever I hear somebody generally refer to this, he, the church, the church, I always go up to them and say, what church are you talking about? And then they go, you just repeated a phrase. Are you talking about local? Are you talking about on earth? Are you talking about the one in heaven? the new Jerusalem that will descend out of heaven one day? What? Which? Are you talking about? Are you talking about individual or in a corporate sense? Which will be in the new Jerusalem, but that is also local and tangible. And they just stare at me. I'm going to let the scriptures define this tabernacle, this house of God, this lamb's, the bride. Let's look at verse 9. Revelation 21, 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I'll show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. How many of you want to see what you're going to look like one day? By the way, if you're saved, you're part of this. You're part of the bride. John said, I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show you. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great what? City. The holy what? Is that mystical or tangible? Tangible. Local. It's up there. It's always been there. Descending out of heaven from God. And here again, we're going back to Isaiah 65 having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. That jasper stone is translucent. He wants you to see this place. Beautiful. Wonderful. All those foundations are di different colors. I took my kids' colors 30 years ago, and I colored the foundation of the New Jerusalem. Everyone's a different precious stone. Man, those colors are magnificent. The last one before you get in is amethyst. You know what color that is? Purple. Oh, the last color of his wounded back and ankles. Purple. It was the color of the temple curtain. What about the scarlet robe? What about the bruises on his face? They beat him. Purple. The purple didn't kill him and keep him dead. The purple didn't conquer him. He conquered it. And he rose from the dead. Now you can be an overcomer. You can be over purple inside the new Jerusalem. All of this stuff is like this in the Scripture. Please, 
Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, not according to time, but rightly dividing what God has already said. Rightly dividing is Jesus divided the lad's lunch. You give everybody the same. God gives everybody the same doctrine. He didn't hide it from us. He doesn't hide it from anybody. Matters not your race, your gender, doesn't matter. That word of God's of no private interpretation. And now that you've been born again, you got an inheritance. The New Jerusalem, the house of God. And you got adopted and you're grafted in to what Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the prophets and Solomon. Joshua and Caleb, Shiloh, all the way in, Nehemiah, everything. It, it, it's unbroken. All right, I'm out of time for tonight. I've shown you tonight the house of God referred to here on earth, also referred to in the New Jerusalem. On earth, God dwells among their patterns. This will be proven tomorrow night. Up in the New Jerusalem, it's eternal and God dwells with us. Two or more must be present. The Word of God must be present. Those present agree that whosoever will, God's will of salvation was through Jesus Christ, if you want to get in. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place. And your local church should be at a snapshot of what's up there. And when you study what's up there, you can emulate some of it down here. And you can have joy, and you can have peace, you can lock the world on the outside, and you can honestly say, and sing, everything's all right in my Father's house. Where there's joy, joy, Joy. That's our foundation. You have to have it in order to be it, to display it. Be, have, in the house of God by knowing where you came from. You know where you came from, you know where you are. You know where you came from and you know where you are, you know where you're going. You don't know where you came from, you don't know where you are, and you have no idea where you're going. It's a sense of direction. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Short-term projection, long-term projection. God illuminates the entire thing. Father, bless, we pray, the message tonight. Message number one on the history of the house of God. May we as students be at the altar as was Abraham. He looked for that city. He asked for your guidance and your help. As he sojourned in a strange land, as he lived temporarily, he built altars. And he talked to you and asked for your help. I see him doing that through the scriptures. I want to do the exact same thing. I want to have the same faith that he did. May we all, may we all 